Hi, and welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we combine psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. Today, we pick up where we left off last week with more on not only how food impacts our mood, but our entire nervous system. Our microbiome or enteric nervous system is the brain in your gut. It governs the digestive tract and it operates independently from the brain in your head. So even though we've had a few episodes on the microbiome, this is more about the digestive tract and digestion in general. And before you hit end on the podcast, trust me, you'll want to hang in there. It's why I combine the psychology of the mind, the biology of the body, and the neurology of the brain in my practice because we have several opportunities for interventions for some of the more common ailments of the human condition, certainly ones that I see in my practice between brain fog, migraines, acid reflux, GI issues, etc. Not to mention inflammation and certainly autoimmune disease and conditions and of course, our wonderful immune system, we're all trying to keep very strong right now. So again, the microbiome impacts mood, disease, immunity, and inflammation for sure. It also has the ability to turn on or turn off certain genes, which is why the microbiome is a huge contributor to epigenetics which is the study of turning genes on or off in hopes that we can avoid disease and promote optimal health. Did you know that just after 25 days of lifestyle change, the microbiome is noticeably different? That means you're going to feel noticeably different from the mind and body perspective. And it will soon revert back to the old when these new habits are abandoned, which is why we all need health coaches like me to look at diet and lifestyle changes with support and proper guidance. And now that we know that our environment, I'm saying in air quotes, including diet and lifestyle, can activate any genetic predisposition we need to have small daily changes that will result in a huge ripple effect. So instead of being a victim to your heritage or environment, let's try to outsmart your DNA. So some topics to cover today are absorption, which is really the route to health or disease and is regulated by the secretion of enzymes and also what we call motility, which is the rate of which the digestive process takes place. Then we will cover the three phases of digestion and briefly discuss a little bit more detail than we did last week. The cephalic or oral phase, the gastric phase, and then the intestinal phase. The digestive process is really a set of conditioned and unconditioned responses 
from your salivary glands in your mouth, preparing your stomach for the food that's about to come, all the way to your colon for elimination. Quite frankly, it's a beautiful orchestra of many organs, enzymes, and neurons. And as we mentioned, food needs to be broken down into water-soluble particles so they can actually be absorbed in the gut wall. So just hang tight with me, listeners. Don't abandon me just yet. But it's important to know our food will be broken down as monomers or molecules that can be broken down and attached to other molecules or polymers, which are a chain of molecules. In foods, these are things like fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. Our digestive tract breaks down these polymers so they can be broken down into monomers only to rebuild more, you guessed it, polymers. Wow, I know, a lot. But there's just so much going on here. And let me give you another wow. Did you know that your digestive tube is actually outside of your body? And the entire digestive process can take up to 24 to 72 hours to complete. And this varies person to person and, of course, my favorite, on your state of mind and the foods that you eat, not to mention if you're stressed or calm. So you can see why I get excited about talking about this three-phase digestive process. So let's dive right in. The first step or stage is your mouth. So as we've said, we actually need to chew our food. I need to remind myself sometimes, especially if I'm in a hurry or if I'm just really hungry, chew your food, Colleen, chew your food. And then once it's broken down in the mouth, it passes to our pharynx, which is responsible for swallowing. Now it is no longer, (laughs) just hang tight listeners, it's not considered food, but a term that we call bolus or partially digested food. Ooh, I know, gross. But again, it's important to just hang tight to the rest of this piece here because again, we're going to see opportunities for interventions. This bolus then travels through the pharynx down the esophagus or food pipe. And there's a valve that blocks the liquid from going down or up the nose. Or maybe you've experienced this on occasion. I know, not pleasant. But if you think about it, your esophagus is so important. And it's about eight inches long. And there are motions that push the bolus down the esophagus. And we call this peristalsis. Now, it gets into the stomach and we get into that gastric phase. Number two in digestion. Did you know that the stomach can hold two to four liters of liquid or food? And our lovely stomach doesn't actually sit in the middle of our bellies, as if many people often point to or our children point to. Rather, it's a lopsided crescent-shaped pouch that sits just under the diaphragm. The esophagus enters on the right 
so that when we laugh, food doesn't come back up. The stomach is also what we like to call an antiseptic holding tank. Acid juices enter and kill pathogens, and they really can't break down food any further. And it will stay in the stomach for about two hours if it's a carb, and up to about four hours if it's a fat. More on that in another podcast. And protein is somewhere in between. Most protein is digested here, though. And now we call this chyme, or further digested food. The stomach then releases two to three teaspoons of chyme at a time, which I didn't realize rhymed, chyme at a time, uh, into the small intestine. And guess what? We are now into phase three, the intestinal phase. And this is the exciting part. The other parts are, again, really important when we're talking about acid reflux, gastritis, ulcers, any kind of upper GI issues. But this food, turned bolus, turned chyme, enters the intestinal phase. The bulk of carbohydrates and fat break down here and any remaining protein. This is also where the auxiliary organs come into play. The pancreas, the gallbladder, and the liver. I promise I will not bore you with the details, but they're important pieces to remember. Here we have 20 feet of walls, and we have the large intestine, or aka the colon. Here, the colon prepares any remaining particles to leave the body. We absorb water and push salt back into the body. Water is reabsorbed, and now we're just left with fibers, and it exits the body. Need I say more? But guess what? Only when the brain gives the okay, of course, which again, very important for those suffering from lower GI issues. Remember, in fight or flight, sometimes the brain wants to empty the gut or empty the colon because it says, I don't need those organs right now. I don't need those functions right now. All of my energy has to go to my heart to pump blood, to my fist to fight, or my feet to flee. So I've worked with many clients with lower GI issues on both sides. Now, the large intestine also houses most of the organisms that make up the microbiome and the gut bacteria. And gut bacteria is the largest contributor to your metabolic process. It regulates inflammation, your immune system, and guess what? Your mood and cravings. Again, why I was so excited to do this podcast, because we see once again the combination of the psychology of the mind, the biology of the body, and the neurology of the brain, right? And I love working with clients when we talk, especially talking about mood and cravings. It's also a chapter in my book, Prescription for Change, Using Your Lifestyle as Medicine. So getting back to the large intestine, bacteria here also feed on undigested plant fibers, 
which goes back to the episode last week on the idea of prebiotics and probiotics. And it's broken down via fermentation. So again, listeners, this is where I help people when they have lower GI issues. Think about bloating, think about gas, thinking about feeling uncomfortable. And I know these are not fun topics to talk about, but it really contributes to your mood. It contributes to how you're feeling. It contributes to your relatability, your ability to work and sleep and feel good about yourself. So think about it. What did you just eat that you might be feeling uncomfortable? And did you actually chew your meal? 40 to 50% of energy in a carbohydrate is extracted by this fermentation. We also see essential building blocks that are created by the bacteria. Vitamins, amino acids, short-chain fatty acids, and neurotransmitters like GABA and serotonin. Hello. Speaking of mood stability, once again, love my graduate school, but nobody told me that GABA and serotonin were actually manufactured in the gut. And we can nourish the gut to actually feel better. Not to mention enzymes, of course. So this is almost the most important part, in my humble opinion, which is the idea of absorption. Digested food that just went through this amazing process we just talked about needs to be able to pass through the blood vessel behind the intestinal wall. And we either do this through diffusion, whereby nutrients pass through the mucosal wall of the intestine, or active transport. And that's where One molecule attaches to another in order to be transported into the circulatory or lymphatic system. Also talked about in my book. It's almost like a drainage system. There are two ways then nutrients are taken into the body to nourish your cells through the bloodstream and of course the lymphatic system. When cells receive nutrients, we think about this on just a very basic level. When your cells receive nutrients in a usable form, they can then metabolize them. And metabolism is the sum of all the chemical reactions in the body from digestion to the use and storage of energy cells. So, speaking of fight or flight, It goes much deeper than that blood going to our fist to fight or feet to flee. Here, we can suddenly again empty the gut or the stomach and we are not getting nourished. And not to mention the phrase I often use, we can either stress or digest. Everything we need has to be long and smooth, not crumpled up and tight in that fight or flight. Our stomach has a different pH, so we often get a little stomach ache when we're in fight or flight, or we're falsely tricked into thinking we need fat and sugar to either stay alive or for a quick fix to get out of danger. And we need all of those amazing organs and symptoms and phases 
to be in the parasympathetic nervous system of rest and digest. Not only that, but the tube inside of our digestive tract, which is, of course, formally known as lumen, takes in about nine liters of liquid. And nine liters need to also be removed. When this balance is out of whack, you can end up with things like dehydration, constipation, headaches, migraines, and all sorts of secondary effects from this sort of imbalance of power, in my opinion, because it's really about an equitable exchange, right? It's a bi-directional process. And the small intestinal wall, this is my favorite, have these little villa. So the villa are wave-like, how do I describe these? Almost like hairs that increase surface area for absorption. And every little villa have microvilla or more hairs. And each villa or villi, I should say, contain capillaries and lymphatic tubes to absorb nutrients and carry them through the intestinal wall. So you can eat, again, all the kale and spinach and cauliflower in the world, but if you're not chewing your food, eating in the rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system, and then getting it to a really healthy microbiome, all of that was for naught. And your intestines also like to keep a clean house. Sometimes the sound of your stomach growling is not because you're actually hungry, and this was a big one for me, it's actually cleaning your stomach. So by the time the cleaning gets to the intestines, the sweeping away of bacteria from the small intestine to the large intestine for elimination also signals rest and digest. See, friends, it all comes back to psychology, biology, and neurology. One simply cannot exist without the other. And we've not even begun to talk about hormones like ghrelin that increases hunger and signals the pituitary gland telling the brain that the stomach is empty and needs to eat, which also goes back to psychology. Or another hormone, leptin, which is a hormone that decreases appetite and is made by fat cells. So again, this is where sometimes we're stressed and we eat more or we're stressed and we eat less. Sometimes again, you craving fat or sugar is not your fault. It's literally identity number, identity shift, I should say, number seven in my book, Prescription for Change, Using Your Lifestyle as Medicine. The cravings are real, friends, and unfortunately, it leads to digestive issues, sometimes malnutrition, and on the flip side, more food and more calories. But it's not your fault. And all of this is readily fixable. That's why it's so important just to hang in there to realize what is going on inside your body. Remember, you can either stress or digest. And it goes much deeper. Your digestive tract has one million I will not do the reference to the movie, but one million neurons from mouth to elimination. 
And these neurons coordinate long and short reflexes. For example, long reflexes are sending signals to the brain, like fresh baked goods that you might see or smell. It goes to the central nervous system and the brain. You just need to think about a treat or your favorite food and you will start to sell it. Remember Pavlov and the dog, classic conditioning. The message was sent to your hippocampus that food was coming. And of course, that amazing aforementioned process begins. As short reflexes go, these are messages that are passed around the gut by hormones and neurons. These messages do not have to go to the brain. They are sent in the gut, received in the gut, and they stay in the gut. And all of this is done using the enteric nervous system or the second brain. It happens very quickly too and automatically depending upon what is needed. As a matter of fact, the gut has more neurons than your spinal cord. It's very, very powerful. But this is also why diets fail. This is why there is such a prevalence of GI issues, both upper and lower. Increased use of Advil, antacids, and acid blockers. This is why we need folks like me to help guide and support you on your journey to overall health. And it is from the inside out, from the outside and within, healing the body heals the brain and healing the mind heals the body. And there is so much more. Processes like absorption, our mood, SIBO, IBS, GERD, heartburn, immunity, gut dysbiosis, and inflammation, not to mention autoimmune diseases and conditions, your thyroid, oh my goodness, talk about mood fluctuations. It's not your fault. And most of the time it can be regulated. I'm not even going to talk about the topic of detoxing because guess what? It's not just about a juice cleanse. It's digestion. It's healing the body and healing the brain. I will conclude with just one more thing about rewriting your journey towards health. And the next few episodes, we will talk about how to nourish and heal. Everything from supplements to hormones to even practicing alternative medicine. We do rely on modern medicine and doctors to be able to help us. And where would we be without them? Certainly during our pandemic, doctors and scientists and everybody in between. And we thank them all and the essential workers and the first responders. But we are learning a lot from our pandemic. We're learning that our bodies are resilient. And our bodies need to be in tip-top form to fight off disease. And we just got a little window, a little window into what happens and how we can nourish our body, bolster our immune system, and even when under attack. 
And this not just goes for the pandemic, but people suffering from other neurological and autoimmune conditions, not to mention cancer or taking medication. And we will get to all of that in the next few episodes as we continue down this journey of digestive health, healing the body and healing the mind and vice versa, healing the mind to heal the body. So thank you for listening. And for more information on my programs, where I combine the psychology of the mind, the biology of the body, and the neurology of the brain to enact life changes that stick, simply go to www.RestoreBodyBalance.com and we will use your lifestyle as medicine. See you next week and stay safe.